Amen. It's good to see you all here this morning. Uh, glad you've chosen to come and worship together with us. Um, we, we lost our live stream, so it's a good thing we did it at 930, so that's great. <laughs> glad that you guys are here with us. It's good to have people with us um, uh, after a while of being apart. I don't know about you, but fellowship is essential for me uh, in, in the life of the believer, and I, I believe we see that from Scripture. Um, one of the things uh, that 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 we talked about a couple of weeks ago really was a blessing of the father and and so i kind of uh kind of did my father's day message a, a little bit early uh but we're going through the book of luke and so in this series what we're really doing is looking at the gospel of jesus christ according to luke and if you'll remember luke uh investigated it's what he says he, he writes in the beginning he's writing to theophilus and luke uh, has investigated he, what he, the way he put it was that he set out to to write an orderly account, uh, basically, of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So as we head into this, um, let me remind you just a couple of things about Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. Um, I don't know about you, but but uh, um, I like it that that doctors tend to be a little bit detail oriented. Maybe maybe your doctor isn't. You might want to find a different one uh, if you're. If you're talking uh, to a surgeon, especially, have you guys interviewed a doctor or a surgeon before? Has that ever happened? Um, it, you know, you, you, you kind of ask them, you just show up. Is that what you're saying? You, you hope that they pay attention. Um, well, Luke was a doctor, and Luke was a very detailed kind of guy, um, which is what I want my doctor to be. Uh, I want him to pay attention to the details. And, and as Luke writes the, the gospel, it's very obvious uh, that he's detail oriented and 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 it is cool uh, a few reasons that we talked about last week that that i believe luke does that uh, the first one is uh that it happened uh, the the reason luke includes so much detail is because the, it's a story that really happened it, it, you ever find this that you're talking with someone and 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 they're telling you about something and they start you know in 1982 and you know and then that, that's where they kind of go or uh, the, and sometimes we include way more detail than than we need to you ever realize that that's the way that is some of you're like yes every time i talk to you i <laughs> i don't care if the sun was shining what does that have to do with the story well we tell it because it happened it, it, it's true and, and so i believe that's part of the reason that luke gives us all the detail he does uh, another reason that that i believe uh, that he does that is because it helps us to understand the circumstances, particularly in Luke chapter 2, and that's where we were last week, verses 1 through 7, the, the details surrounding the birth of Christ. If he had skipped to verse 7 and started off by saying, if this is where Luke's account of the birth of Christ began, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. If that's where that began, we would be really confused, wouldn't we? What is Luke talking about here? What Swaddling cloths? There's no, no room for them in the end. She put him in a manger. What, what's going on? We would have no clue. So Luke, part of the reason is he helps us to understand the circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ. But, but I believe that there's another very important reason that Luke does this for us, and that's so that we can verify it. The more details we have, then the easier it is to verify things. And, and so Luke does that. He gives 
um, Augustus Caesar, it was in the reign of Augustus Caesar, it, it was the first census that, that he ordered when Quirinius uh, was governor of Syria. All of these details and, and where Joseph was living, where he was from, where he had to come up from, all of this surrounding is easy to verify. The men are just finishing up a men's Bible study called, Is the Bible Reliable? Um, by the way, you can find that on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free on there is the bible reliable dr stephen myers and and he goes through all this all of the archaeological evidence in, in fact for a while um the, the skeptics doubted that there was really a guy named pontius Pilate, and, because he wasn't found anywhere in extra biblical evidence you know the only in the bible you could find him and then they find this inscription so a guy named pontius Pilate, <laughs> and so I love it that Luke does this. It just really gives us that good, solid foundation. Our, our faith is founded in fact. And that's what we talked about last week. Th- this week, what we're talking about is the long-awaited birth. And, and so Luke takes the long way around. He gets to verse 7, and, and he says in verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in, in the inn. And so that's where we're going to launch off. He finally gets to the birth of Christ. But this week, I want us to really focus in on that a little bit. The, the birth of Christ was a long-awaited birth. Now, now we, we think of that, and, and immediately we think of, first of all, Mary. You know, th- This began actually with Zechariah, with her brother-in-law, I suppose. They said that they, she was related. Elizabeth was a relative. We, we assumed her sister's. So this began with Elizabeth and Zechariah when the angel Gabriel came to them and told them they would have a son and his name would be John. The, the word John, the name John means the Lord is gracious or the grace of the Lord. And then almost immediately after the same angel, angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you will give birth to a son and his name is going to be Jesus and so immediately when we talk about the long-awaited birth, we think that, okay, so this was, this was for them. You know, when you're waiting for a kid to be born, nine months can seem like a long time, can it? The guys are like, no, it passed just like that. <laughs> for the ladies, particularly, that seems like a long time. By the way, we have it easy as people. Elephants take like a year. So I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that? Go look that up. It's somewhere around there. Nobody thought that was funny at all. So, but really, the long-awaited birth refers more than just to, to than just Joseph and Mary having to wait. It, our next thought is maybe the the nation of Israel. You know, the birth of Christ. They had been waiting for the Savior for hundreds of years. And generation after generation talks about this Savior, this Messiah, that that God was going to send to save them. And and over time, they kind of got a little bit different idea of what that was going to be like. And so by the time it gets to the time of Jesus, the Romans are in charge. And that's really what they're thinking, that this is going to be a political Savior. This is going to be a king that's going to come and free us from Roman rule. And, and, And it was so much more than that that God had planned. But, but it even is longer than that. This, this long-awaited wait is even longer than that. Then we go back to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When, when they sin, their relationship with God is broken. 
And God, if you'll remember, at the end of chapter 3 in Genesis, is, is pronouncing judgment or consequences for sin, however you want to look at that. And he gets to the serpent and he says something like this, you will bruise his heel, this one that I'm going to send, the seed of, of Adam. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. That sounds weird to us, except that you think that, that a crushing of a head for a, a serpent is a death blow. And, and that's what he's talking about. You're going to reign for a little while, he's telling the serpent. But there's one that's going to come, and he will be the end of your reign. So we think about this long-awaited birth, and that seems like a long time, but, but I, I want to go further than that. L- let me just give you the main idea, the big idea, that before the foundation of the world, Jesus was always God's plan. So, so if you want to talk about a long-awaited birth, think back, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed from eternity past. I know, chew on that for a little bit. <laughs> From eternity past, past, they have existed. Jesus was always the plan. Always. Let me, let me as we kind of walk through the, the verses that, that we read here, I want to look at some of the, the words just, just by way of reminder with you. The, the angel... Uh, comes and, and i love it so you have the birth of christ the messiah god's promised one in in the manger and and the angel appears to one of the the lowest on the rungs in society and that's the shepherds now i i know there's some people who work hard for a living right yeah good hard-working people and and those are the people that that we if if we ever lose you know we're just going to fall apart but but ben then there are people who work hard for a living and they stink from it <laughs> those were the shepherds uh, i i remember in in east texas that's where i went to to college and and uh we were going to have a bonfire and i was the only one with the truck so the bsu director and i went out uh, to get the wood for the bonfire and i remember opening the door to my pickup truck now i grew up in dallas fort worth right you know city and, and so we get there open the door and i immediately said man you smell that he goes yeah isn't it great <laughs> it was cow poop <laughs> we we smell it here but it's elk poop here and i i've i've learned to appreciate that sheep apparently stink and the people who live with the sheep apparently stink <laughs> so the shepherds those are the ones that that god chose to reveal the beginning of his in acting of his plan for redemption to the world and and the angel shows up and apparently angels are pretty fearsome i'm I'm glad i haven't like encountered one like this before because they always say do not fear right so the angel shows up the shepherds are afraid he says do not fear because i bring you good news now this word good news is the same word in the greek that we get the word gospel from euangelion is is the the greek word i probably butchered that but so so it's the same word for gospel so so picture this the the angel shows up and he says that the the shepherds are afraid and he says don't be afraid i'm bringing you the gospel isn't that cool 
Okay, well, I think that's cool. (laughs) The angel shows up and begins preaching the gospel, which is simply this, that God is reconciling the world to himself. And then he says, I bring you good news of great joy. I I, I can't even, it feels like Christmas whenever I read this, this verse out loud. I bring you good news of great joy and, and so i looked at the word for this 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 word great and you know what it is i love this this is going to change the way i read this passage forever the word is mega the angel says i bring you the gospel and it's mega joy <laughs> this is mega joy for you this is great joy and, and then we we go on and, and we see that 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 it Luke recounts for us that on the eighth day they went and they named the child Jesus as the angel told Mary his name would be. And that doesn't mean a lot to us. Iesus is the Greek way, way that that's said. Uh, can you say Iesus? That sounds weird, doesn't it? Jesus, that doesn't mean much to us. Now, we know the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, but Hebrew is what they spoke, or Aramaic is what they spoke in their homes. And so if you want to go to the hebrew word it's joshua yeshua is how they would say that now yeshua means that yahweh saves or yahweh is salvation so so that makes a lot more sense to us he says i bring you the gospel the good news of great joy this mega joy that yahweh saves or the salvation of yahweh has come that's really what he's saying. This birth that has been awaited from eternity past has come about. That's what's happening here. That, that's what's going on here. And, and, and I, I want to make sure that, that we understand something. And this is something that, that might help us in, in, in our lives if we can kind of get a little bit of a grasp on it. We think, you know, we go back to Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And, and if we're not careful, then we'll kind of think that, that it went something like this, that, that Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, all of heaven is watching, and Adam and Eve sin, and God turns to the angels or he turns to the rest of the Trinity and says, okay, we're, we're going to have to go with plan B now. Do you know that that's absolutely not true? There are two parts of God's character and nature that we really need to try to get a little bit of a grasp on to understand what's happening. One is that God is omniscient. That word means he's all-knowing. Now, we can't really fathom this because we, first of all, we're not all-knowing and what we know we have to think about, right? What did you have for breakfast yesterday? You have to think about that really quick. Some of you are like, I don't have a clue. (laughs) I forgot what I ate this morning. Did I have breakfast this morning? God doesn't have to think about what he knows. He is all-knowing. He knows everything all the time at the same time. And it's part of who he is. He knows. He just knows. all that. That's part of, in everything that God does, his omniscience plays into that. He doesn't have to do, you know, we have to think about to the past. So we have to look, kind of look back in the book of our mind. You know, okay, now what happened in 1982? What was I doing? Or, or we have to think about to the future. We don't know the future. We know the plans that we have for the future. We have to think, all right, what am I doing tomorrow? Let me, let me look and see. God is part of who he is, and he knows that all the time. 
The, the other part of God's character and nature that we need to get a little bit of a grasp on is that God is all-powerful. There is nothing he cannot do. So you take God's omniscience and you take God's omnipotence and you put them together and what you have is God's sovereignty. That he's sovereign. There is never a time when God says, oops, uh-oh, or oh no. Do you know that? That there's never a time. God doesn't have to have a backup plan. God has a plan. Do you ever think about that? His plan. God doesn't have to wait and see what you're going to do and say, all right, now how do we fix this? Now, now God could handle that, but he doesn't have to do that. And so the, the way that I like to say it, because we think about God's sovereignty, and I don't mean for it to be a fatalistic thing. I used to get into this with my, my good buddies, these late, late night discussions. And, and they said, well, then it doesn't matter what I do. It's already all planned out. No. Here's the way that I like to put it. God's sovereignty encompasses the free will of man. But he doesn't have to wait and see what you're going to do. God didn't have to, like, look ahead, you know, in, in time. It's all right. Neil's going to mess up right here. I need to, let me work and fix that. He'd only have one of those for Neil. For me, it'd be like Larry's, oh, there he goes. No, oh, there he goes. Oh, there he goes. God, didn't, it's not that way. God is sovereign. He knows everything all the time. At the same time, he's all powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do. God will bring about his plan. And somehow that encompasses our free will. And that's as far as I can understand that. And you know what? That's probably a good thing because if we can understand, if we can comprehend all of who God is, he's not a God worth serving. My God is way bigger than that. If I can fathom all of who he is, and if I can understand everything about him, then he is too small. If he can fit in his head, then he is too small. He's not God. And, and that's the way that God works God has a plan, and God's plan has always been Jesus, Yeshua, the salvation of God. We, we kind of think that maybe this is a New Testament concept, that God himself becomes Savior. You know it's not. Isaiah writes about this. That God himself is my Savior. I, I do this this week. Here's some fun homework for you. Go and look how many times you find either those words exactly or that principle in the Old Testament that God himself is my Savior. Jesus on the cross, we're getting ahead of the story, has always been God's plan. Jesus, I'll go a little bit further, on the cross becoming our sin and taking God's wrath for our sin was always the plan before the foundation of the world, that was God's plan. Does that blow your mind? You know, what that, you know what that does for me? That makes me feel loved. You mean to tell me that before God created anything, he knew it was going to cost him his son? Yes, of course. That was his plan. So you mean... You mean that God wanted Adam and Eve to sin? No, that's not what I said. God's sovereignty encompasses the free will of man. God didn't make Adam and Eve sin. He didn't want them to sin. God doesn't want you and me to sin. But it doesn't catch him off guard, thankfully. Jesus has always been God's plan for us. Isn't that amazing? Knowing the heartache that it would cause him, God created everything 
anyway. I want to give you uh, just this little tool. We'll we'll close with this. Don't get too excited. There's four parts to it. (laughs) Um, I I met the Lord in 1982. That's why that year keeps sticking in my mind. And, and in the 80s, we had this, this really kind of a way of sharing the good news, the gospel. And it was called the Four Spiritual Laws. Anybody remember that? Anybody? No? Okay, well, this is new for you. Ha. I could tell you something you didn't know, finally. The Four Spiritual Laws, and, and, and this is just a good way to be able to share the good news, okay? Um, it begins with this, that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, when we talk with people, those are two things that we need to really kind of get that across to you. First, that God loves them, because people say all the time, well, if God loves me, then why does he let this happen? Well, God's sovereignty encompasses the free will of man. You pick some things and you get to suffer for it. But God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. He's not going to make you follow it, but he has a plan. God has great things that he desires for you. Now, wouldn't it be great if that was like it right there? Although you wouldn't believe me because you're like, I don't see it. Well, that leads us to the second one. The second one is this, that humanity, they used to say man, but I guess they had to like broaden that a little bit. That humanity is tainted by sin, and as a result, we cannot know or experience God's wonderful plan for our life. You see, sin separates us from God, and we know that, don't we? Everybody feels that. that you don't, I don't know, maybe sometimes you do it nowadays, have to convince people that they're sinners. Man, you didn't have to convince me. Every time my mom and dad called my name, I had to think of the last ten things I did wrong and come up with lies to cover it, right? I was a stinker. That's to put it mildly. Sin separates us from God. And, and that's, why, that's why when we look at the world, when we say, well, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, why are we not seeing that? Well, because sin separates us. It's tainted us. Then that keeps us from experiencing God's love and plan for us. And if that's where it ended, some of you are going to like, this is the most downer Father's Day message I've ever heard in my life. If that's where it ended, then there's no good news there. The good news comes in the third law. The third law is this, that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and restore a right relationship with God. Now, I know, I know that we live in a day and age that when you tell someone that Jesus is the only way, they're going to tell you, well, that's pretty, they'll probably say narrow-minded, but that's pretty narrow. There's only one way that God has provided for us to have a relationship with him, and that's through Jesus. There is no other way. That's it. It's Jesus or hell. Go try that out on somebody today, just for fun. So, so I would say this, if I was talking with someone, if I was sharing this with them, and they said, well, that's pretty narrow, I would say, you're absolutely right. In, in fact, it doesn't get any more narrow than that. But listen, although the way is narrow, the invitation is wide because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. John three sixteen, the verse that practically the whole world knows, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will receive eternal life they wouldn't perish but will have eternal life whoever you, you see even though there's only one way everybody is invited everybody who everybody <laughs> you can't get any more encompassing than that everyone who trusts in christ everyone who believes in him not just that he existed but trust in him for salvation receives eternal life that's huge you don't leave anybody out god doesn't discriminate against anybody whoever whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved i love that that's amazing and and you if we stop there you might get the impression everybody's going to end up in heaven i wish that were so when i came to faith in christ at 15 i I know this isn't the case but this seemed this way to me that that was the first time i'd ever heard the gospel and i thought of course (laughs) why wouldn't i i was miserable i had an emptiness that this void in my life that nothing could fill i mean just for brief seconds i would be okay but man, it didn't take long for me to get not okay real quick. And, and usually for me, it was when I was laying in bed at night trying to drift off to sleep that the emptiness was just overwhelming for me. And so when I heard this, that my sin has separated me from God, even though God loves me, that he loved me enough that he gave Jesus Christ on the cross for my sin, I'm like, why not? <laughs> I'd be foolish to say no. Well, here's the reason some people we won't see in heaven. And it's the fourth one. That in order for that to happen, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior in order to receive receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our life. It, it takes a response from us. It, and, and that's where when we talk about God's sovereignty... I, I wish this were so. I wish that God would make some people believe. Wouldn't you? Don't you? You have family members that you wish? Do it. <clears throat> Get them, God. <laughs> Sometimes we, God <laughs> gets them and they still don't get it. It takes a response from us. And, and, and so we're not live streaming this, so they'll miss it. Maybe we'll just have to tell them they have to go listen to it. But when you're praying for someone who doesn't know Christ, here's what, here's what you need to pray. God, would you do a work in their heart to open their eyes? I, I, I wish God would drag them to faith in Christ, kicking and screaming. I mean, I wish. But ask God to change their hearts, to bring them to that place that, that I know I was at 15. That I was just like, oh, well, yeah why not here's here's the way john puts it in 316 for god loved us so much or he loved us this way this is the kind of love god has for us that he gave his only begotten son that that means that jesus was on the cross that he became our sin the one who knew no sin paul says became sin so that we could be become the righteousness of god in him 
that he became our sin, then God poured his wrath upon Jesus that we deserve. Jesus took our, our, the wrath, that we, the punishment we deserve. So that, so God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes, trust, puts our faith in Christ, we wouldn't perish, that's hell, but we would have eternal life. Paul talks about it this way, that when we believe, when we trust, that we get salvation as a gift in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's a gift. Isn't that amazing? I love that. You can't earn it. You can't unearn it, thankfully. When we place our trust in Christ, the, the way that the Bible talks about it is we're justified. The 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 debt of our sin is canceled. It's gone. It can't come back. (laughs) Now, we're still in the process. God saved us. That's justification. He is saving us. That's sanctification. Because we can look around and say, man, we got a long ways to go. Anybody think God's finished with you yet? You want me to to let you know how God's not finished with you? Take, Take these two fingers. Put them right here. You feel anything? He's not finished with you yet. That's sanctification where he's making us in the image of Jesus Christ. And someday, so we've been justified, we're being sanctified, someday we'll be glorified. I know this is a crazy thought. One day I'm going to be perfect. Some of you are going, oh no, the world's going to last forever. (laughs) Someday I'll be perfect. The way the Bible talks about it is we'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye and I will be like Christ no sin the same for everyone who's in christ isn't that cool this long-awaited birth that that really was god's plan before the foundation of the world was the beginning of god enacting his plan of redemption for all of creation, for you and me. And as we're being sanctified, we are being redeemed. And, and the way that I like to say it is this, is that God is redeeming every area of our lives. And, and as I say that, you probably, like me, say, well, I got a couple right here. <laughs> got, let me write these down for you, God, in case you don't know. This, this still needs to be redeemed. I, this still needs to be redeemed. If we start writing that, we might be writing for a while. Here's the cool thing. God knows. And so today, let me encourage you to respond one of two different ways. If you've never put your faith and hope and trust in Christ, you can do that today. Just give it to him. Believe. There's no magic prayer. I included one, I think, in the notes. By the way, those are in the version app of the Bible. Um, we put the notes there every week, but there's no magic prayer. In fact, I challenge you, if you find this, you guys look this week, find a place in the Bible where someone prays to receive Christ. I can't find one. I just find where they believe and they receive. And that's what John says. But it takes a response from us. If you've never done it, just respond to him today and say, of course. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? 
Thank you for taking my sin on the cross and for giving me your righteousness so that I can be right with God the way that he wants me to be. And, and for those of us who've done that, so the justification is done for us, it's just as if I've never sinned. I like that, that definition of justified, just as if I'd never sinned. It's clean that, that our sin debt is canceled. For those of us who've done that, we're being sanctified. We're being redeemed. And, and so the, the second way that, that you could respond today is to say, God, I've, I've got some things that need to be redeemed. And just bring those to God, and that's called confession. Jesus, I just need you to redeem this. I just need you to, to do this. Would you? You can't make you... Actually, a better you is still not a good you. I don't know if you knew that. We, you know, be the best you you can be. Um, the best me I can be is still destined for hell. I want to be like Jesus. And only God can do that in my heart. And so I want to pray for us today. And, and, and as I do, I just, I just want you to respond to him, would you? Either I believe, I, I come to faith in Christ Jesus, I trust you. For my salvation or god here's some things would you redeem these things in my life would you just maybe maybe it's sin that you've committed we need that stuff redeemed don't we and and sometimes sin has consequences that even though we're justified we're forgiven of our sin that he still needs to redeem those consequences of sin in our life maybe it's sin that has been committed against you do you know that god wants to redeem that too Sin that's committed against you that results in anger and bitterness in your heart. He wants to redeem that too. And, and so the, the second response is, God, I got some things that I want you to redeem in me. Would you do that today? Let me pray and you respond. Father, thank you for your love. I, I thank you that your love for us goes so far beyond what we could understand that it is mind-blowing. Lord, I pray that, that, Father, as we come to you today, uh, God, that you would redeem every area of our hearts. And, and God, we all know there are some areas that, that are yet to be redeemed. Would you just do that for us? And, Lord, if there's anyone who's never come to faith in Christ, whether they're listening to the, the podcast later or, or they're here now, Lord, would you just tug on their hearts, just bring them to you? Would you open their eyes, help them to see their need for Christ because of their sin? And then, Lord, help them to see the provision that you made through Christ on the cross, that he took their sin, he took the payment for their sin, so that they could be right with you. Draw them to you, Lord, so that they would believe and receive eternal life. God, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.